So the US dollar's down, bond yields are down, equities are rising. You'd think the Fed had written in stone that there's going to be no more rate rises. But no, it seems this is just the response to the weekly jobless claims. Really? Perhaps a bit of an overreaction. And Europe revised into recession. It's the latest GDP revision that's put it into negative territory for the second quarter in a row, but only just. Again, not something to get too excited about. But there again, it's a long weekend ahead, so that is something to get excited about. It's Friday, the 9th of June, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, US equities have bounced back up today, up 1% for the NASDAQ, 0.6% for the S&P at close, half a percent for the Dow. In the UK, the FTSE closed down 0.3%, but the Eurostoxx 50 rose a little, just at 0.1% into the green, though. Uh, bond yields are falling, down eight basis points for 10-year treasuries, two years down seven, 10-year bonds are down six, two-year gilt yields down two basis points, uh, but Aussie 10 years yesterday down 18 basis points to four point. 0.01% and down another six basis points on top of that in on futures overnight and quite a fall in the US dollar. It's down three quarters of 1%. That's helped the Aussie up 0.9%. The same for the pound. The euro is up 0.8%. The yen also up 0.8%. And big falls in oil too this morning, down 1.7% for WTI. It got as low as $69 overnight and 1.3% off Brent, just below 76 a barrel. So what is going on? This is where we wheel in. Gavin Friend from NAB in London to answer that very question. So is this really down to the weekly jobless claim, something that's largely been ignored until this uh, recent crisis, if, if that's what we're in? So initial jobless claims shot up last week from 233,000 to 261,000, which is the highest since October 21. So, uh, you know, there's something to respond to. But all of that... Uh, it seems rather an optimistic response if, if the you know if the thinking is that this is going to stop the Fed in its tracks. Morning, Phil. Um, yeah, I mean, y- y- you could say that, but this is this is the point, isn't it? We know that the Fed has been tightening. We know that the the ambition of the Fed is to slow the economy and get demand down closer to supply. And I think typical of these kind of you know turning points is we get pockets of data where you get uh, weakness. So weakness early in the week, we saw ISM services in the uh, the backbone of the US economy, really, um, you know, falling to 50.3, essentially stalling. Um, <clears throat> the jobless claims that you talk about uh, on Thursday, which we can have a, a bit of a deep dive into. And on the other side, you've got things like the, the payroll numbers, non-farm payroll, which are very strong. And so the market's swinging around. I mean, we should just take a step back and just, you know, look, on the show uh, yesterday, the, the topic du jour was about rising bond yields across across just about everywhere, really, across the universe, because we had the twin surprises. Markets were reacting to the twin surprises of the, the RBA the day before and the Bank of Canada. And the read-throughs from that were that, you know, central banks are revealing that they're prepared to push economies further into restrictive territory to make sure they get on top of inflation because they can't afford not to this time around. And then secondly, aligned to that, this process is incredibly difficult. It's very uncertain. And even if the Fed pauses, as most expect next week, 
and that will depend, I think, a little bit on on CPI on Tuesday. But if, you know, if the market is right and they pause, then you know we can't be sure they won't come back and hike again uh, in July. And we're going to be going through this process now. To the point to the data on Thursday. Um, Two hundred. You know, think about the run rate of jobless claims. It's been running at sort of you know two thirty, two forty. It jumps to two sixty. We'd already seen that revision up from two ten, two twenty back in sort of late Feb, early March, and so we're ticking our way up. A word of caution: the Fed isn't going to isn't going to react to one single month's data. No, they're going to look at non-farm payrolls last week, which was three hundred and thirty-nine thousand <laughs> new job openings in May. Which uh, well, you know, well, I, well, I was going to say. Um, there, there is that. There's no doubt about that. Um, we, we should just take a step back and think about it. We're getting into that period now where uh, in the summer in the US, you get the auto retooling, and it, but basically it plays havoc with the seasonals, and we're going to get some volatility in these weekly series of weekly jobless claims. There's no doubt about that. But I think for this week, this is for the week of the 27th of, of May. It's a little bit early to start thinking about those kinds of issues. And so you then you know, forced to come back and say, well, look, there are plenty of private sector forecasts out there that suggest claims are going to go up to 300,000, 400,000. If you look at, uh, you know, the, the series in the, in the uh, NFIB Small Business Index, if you look at challenger job cuts, they're all pointing, they have been pointing to higher claims. So there will be people out there, rightly, looking at this and saying, this is the direction of travel because it is the direction of travel. It's the timing that nobody's nobody's sure of. And so we're, we're going to start to see these things up because this is what policy is designed to do. And so to my point earlier in the conversation about we're going to get these points where you get some bits of strong data like non-farm payrolls, you get other bits of weakness and the market is going to be lurching around. And so we've had some relief really in bond yields today, pretty much across the board. And the US dollar, um, you know, the, the lowest it's been in, in two weeks as well. So, well, 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 that's the thing that drops out of all of this, isn't yeah. it? Because we know that other central banks have got more to do. You know, we, we, the house view on the RBA is that they're going to go again. Who knows about Canada? Um, so is this saying the Fed has less to do then? The, the Fed, you know, is this, you know, we can throw out the idea. That we don't know. We don't know. The Fed doesn't know. The Fed, the Fed doesn't know yet. But, mm. it, you know, to my point, this is going to be lumpy. But we know that the Fed is further along the economic cycle. And in theory, Theory, it will get to that point first. And so that's the point for the dollar. You know, you can see a position where we got a glimpse on Thursday where the US economy weakens. And once you start to get clearer evidence of that, of that, of that economic weakening, um, whereas other central banks have probably got a bit more further to go, or at least they're on pause. And as long as their economies are not being hold out at the same rate at the same time. Right. That's where the that's where the dollar falls. Right, but you, but Europe is just, you know, technically uh, in a recession now. So the GDP numbers have been revised down in the the third estimate for for Q1. So on top of the minus 0.1 read for Q4, uh, another minus 0.1 uh, read. So marginally, but they are in a recession. So you could say that, you know, th- they're cooling down as well. So um, you know, surely that the ECB is going to be going in the same direction as the Fed if if, if we follow that. It's an excellent question, and um, I, I would agree. On any other day, you can get, uh, you could have seen a euro decline on these kinds of numbers. But th- th- there's been a move against the dollar. On you know, it was in train from the European get-go. The US numbers, although they came out afterwards, reinforce that. And, and I think, just to my point, I think when we we think about 
FX markets. The point I'm trying to make here is, is that when you see evidence, we don't have it yet, but, but, but clear evidence that the US economy is weakening, it can trump everything. People won't really look at what's going on in China and Europe. If the US economy is unequivocally weakening, markets will think about what's the Fed reaction and you'll see the dollar move uh, and it, it will trump everything in its wake. That's that's one school of thought. Now, the other side is is actually if everybody's weakening at the same time, then you get the opposite reaction. Mm. The dollar rises because we go risk off. That's that's not what we saw today. And it's it's not our base case, um, but it's possible. So the, the um, in, term, in terms of just coming back, just swinging it back to the European data, um, it's not it's not new. It's, this was the third reading. OK, so we had a point one on the upside. Uh, we're now point one on the downside. Yeah, the swing, the swing yeah. factor yeah. actually was very volatile Irish investment. Um, and, you know, it, 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 the markets have known for some time that Europe is flatlining. Markets have known that Germany was in a technical recession for a couple of weeks now. Um, I think if we look ahead, there's a couple of factors to give us a little bit of optimism. One is that there was... Um, something like a 0.6% rise in real real wages in Q1 in Europe, right? As it adjusted for inflation. And aligned to that, it suggests that, that actually consumers have been increasing their savings. Well, okay, if they're increasing their savings, they're not spending, that's not good for growth. But it's not a sign that they're running on empty. And alongside lower energy prices, which are you know, continuing to feed their way through, lower inflation or disinflation, that process will carry on, higher wages, we can hope that things will slowly start to improve in Europe. It's not going to be, it's not going to be wham, bam, it's going to be steady and slow. And there are risks to this. Again, people are looking at winter and what happens to energy prices there, but that's down the track. And at the moment, storage tanks are good. People are using less. They've learned to do behavioral change, all that kind of stuff. The other factor is that in Europe, relative to receive wisdom, I think, you look at things like German exports to the US, to China, what have you, they're actually holding up quite well. Mm. Surprise when we looked at the charts. There's a bit of resilience there. So I think, you know, um, the, the European slow growth story is not new. And it's long as it doesn't implode, long as it's just bumbling along here and we the, you know, I point to these potential upsides down the road. The focus then, when the US starts to weaken more earnestly, that's where the focus of markets will be on how deep price discovery, what's the Fed going to do? Right. So we'll watch the dollar in that case with keen interest as that data comes out. As you say, it's all a question of relativity, isn't it? Which, of course, currency markets all, all, all are. So the yeah. fact oil is down today, I mean, some are saying, well, this is because of the, this deal. So there's talk about the US might reach a deal with Iran that would see a, a relief to some of the sanctions if Iran reduces its uranium enrichment activities. Mm. I feel like we've been talking about this for for years and yeah. that that could mean an extra million barrels a day of oil back on the market if that happens and i'm just wait is that going to happen i mean we know that well, Iran's this been was a this was a, a middle east report a newswire report sourcing um there's been nothing official out of the u.s i think the white house or the state department was basically saying we're not commenting you know these things are live to your point these things are live these these the u.s will be looking and going hang on a second you, you sold yeah. a thousand drones to russia we're not well, going to reach a deal with you well I think the channel, the back channels are always on. These discussions are ongoing. Hmm. Um, clearly, if it were to happen, 
I mean, you saw the market reaction of what can happen, and it just tells you, it gives you a glimpse about how tight these markets are uh, at a time when Saudi and OPEC Plus are trying to, you know, engineer um, a sort of a flaw. And if not a flaw, they're trying to stall. If we think about the way the US economy will go, the global economy will go in the next six months to year, we think about demand destruction, where's the oil price going to go? regardless of uh, tight supply anything that says oh there's another million barrels coming onto the uh, coming onto the you know um, the market is, is relief and I think that's another factor today in in the relief that we're seeing right but how much of that is all the oil actually down because of this softening in the in demand from the United States as well that's got to be part of it isn't it uh, I think so. And actually, something that's not been talked about much is the trade numbers that came out of the US yesterday mm. um, showed a big decline, um, uh, sorry, a big widening in the trade deficit. And that was because exports of oil from the US were down a chunky amount. Right. It, I, I, it, again, I've got to be careful of this because there was a big rise the month before. It may well just be some sort of volatility that's going on. But that's a, an, interesting, well, an interesting move when you think about the the dominant the, the increasingly dominant role that the US has played in terms of um you know um uh, self sufficient on energy and then and then an oil and energy exporter and what that what that does with its terms of trade and the relationship between the terms of trade and the dollar and the dollar and oil and those kinds of things it's um I yeah. think there's well, a little more research as, needs to be Australia's there. trade balance of course slipped a bit more than expected yesterday as well for you know similar reason exports fell by five uh, percent whereas imports only grew by two percent that's only one month of course but uh, I, I'm sure commodity prices have got a chunk to do with that haven't they yeah absolutely so um down from uh 30, I think the forecast was 13 and a half. It was down from 14.8 to 11.2, as you say. So, so um, a 5% decline in exports of uh, minerals and uh, ores and things. Um, they were down 10.4. Or, uh, coal was down 7.1. Coal, it was really all about prices. Again, that's been, you know, that's been a, a persistent story for many months now. For iron ore, it was both prices and volumes. If you look at the Port Hedland data, um, you know, on Bloomberg on, uh, iron ore loaded for uh, for export, most of which, of course, is to China. It's still, I mean, it's off its highs, but if you look back at the last, where it's been, uh, there's some big seasonal swings, but if you look at that last six or seven years, it's it's, it's still pretty, pretty, um, pretty solid. The mm. other observation, I think, in that trade report was what's going on in tourism. So tourism credits, so which is, you know, tourists arriving into Australia, there was a, a 13, over 13% month-on-month increase. And on a levels basis, my colleagues um, note that the the inflows are now nine percent above uh, pre-pandemic levels. On the other side, so outbound tourism, Australians travelling abroad, that's yet to uh, recover to you know the, such levels. I mean, it's likely capped by uh, things like capacity constraints. I, I imagine um, things like uncertainty on on rates. You know um, that that probably hasn't helped the exchange rate. You know the Aussie has been weak, so your Australian dollar doesn't buy so much abroad. And then when you think about if you're going to go abroad, you'd be heading into some areas with pretty high inflation, particularly if you were coming to yeah. To, to, to blighty um well you'd you know, find everything expensive cost, absolutely and, 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 and i tell do. you airfares inbound into australia are cheaper i reckon they're cheaper than they were before the uh, pandemic as well so uh, you know factor in the cost of the airfare as well that's a significant influencing factor when you're looking at such long-haul travel uh, look uh, very quickly uh, mm. just as europe's numbers were revised down on gdp japan's gdp 
which revised up quite a lot from 1.9% to 2.7%. That's up from 0.4% in April. So 2.7% is their GDP annualised. I mean, there aren't too many economies right now boasting those sorts of numbers. Uh, No, no. And I think... um you know, higher investment, easing, easing supply constraints are evidently encouraging companies there to sort of rebuild inventory, step up investment on, you know, plant and equipment and those kinds of things. Private capex was up. It's looking to be one of the strongest countries in the G10 at the moment, in Q1 anyway. Yeah, of and, course. And, and it's, got, it's got ultra low rates. It has. Still. And yeah, he's as <laughs> criticizing yield curve control. And yet, you know, maybe they've got something right. And, and, yet, and yet the rhetoric from the Bank of Japan and uh, Governor Wada is we're not ready yet. Um, and you can see markets pushing back from, you know, anything happening next week and even pricing for a move in July, which which is our pick, you know, is now a sort of 35, 40% chance. I mean, that's down from what it was. And so it's rhetoric versus sort of economic reality, really. You know, inflation is caught up really with the others there. And if you look at it on the basis of uh, Mr. Target, you know, Japan is back. Um there's yeah. a debate going on there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, somewhere that doesn't seem to be too troubled with inflation, China today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they're on a different planet, aren't they? I mean, last time yeah. for April, minus 0.1% month on month deflation. Uh, and the producer price index down 3.6% year on year. And it's, uh, it's expected to fall further in May as well. And it's all giving. And if we get another low print, and there's no reason why we won't, um, it'll just uh, play into the you know, the ongoing speculation and actual reality now of rates are coming down. So deposit rates were lowered earlier today. Um, and um, that'll lead to, you know, the expectation is lower lending rates and uh, maybe adjustments on the triple R uh, to try and, uh, you know, dig out that, uh, dig out that recovery, give it some, give it some, some vigor. And uh, yes, the, the other thing is employment numbers today uh, for Canada. Uh, it would be rather irritating, wouldn't it, for the Bank of Canada if they, if they see those numbers come out and they've lifted rates this week only to see unemployment shoot up and the average hourly wages come down. I do wonder if they get to see these numbers in advance. I don't know. If it does it does turn out to be like that, I don't think they'll worry about one month's number. All right. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what it does anyway. Uh, good to see you, Gavin. Uh, we'll catch you again very soon. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Cheers, Phil. Thank you, sir. And I know it's not a long weekend for all of our listeners, but it is for most of them. So we are not here on Monday morning, but I'll be back on Tuesday morning for another edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you then.